On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? How do you read it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the Pharisee wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite came along, and he saw him, and he also passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and he saw him, and he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him, and then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, and when I return, he said, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Go and do likewise. That's the second time this has happened. That's good. It'll fall off again, but it's it's and I'm in trouble. It is twenty of eleven already, and my wife said I better be done by eleven o'clock or don't come home. So there you go. This thing, this is just, I might have to pick up a mic here. I don't know how Jim keeps this thing on here. Oh, can, can I just preach like this? Stand here holding my, because I can feel it coming off my ear already. All right. With all that, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, along with Jesus Christ, your word is the building block, the foundation of this church. Without your word, we would be so confused and lost in this evil, chaotic world. Lord, as we open your word this morning, may your Holy Spirit be at work in the hearts of each of us, teaching us, encouraging us, convicting us through your word and your spirit. Father, as we read from Isaiah earlier in the call to worship, as your word goes out, it will not return void. 
Help your word to go out, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, may it land on listening ears and empower us to respond accordingly. As we start this morning, I want to play a little clip, and I would like you to, if you'd like, and I'd even encourage you to sing along with this clip. we're making here this morning with the text of the passage. Won't you be my neighbor? Some of you, if not most of us, grew up watching that television show. And some of you may or may not know that Mr. Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian minister. And as I was preparing this message and the word neighbor keeps popping up, and I thought of that song, I thought, Mr. Rogers, Presbyterian minister, I wonder if he wrote that song for the show because of this passage. And because throughout Scripture, many times it talks about how we're supposed to be a good neighbor. And I did go and I checked a couple biographies of people that wrote about Mr. Rogers, and there's one biography that says that's possible. didn't say it was, but Mr. Rogers loved the Word. He read it faithfully every day, and it is possible that he wrote that song so that he could share the truth of Jesus Christ and the fact that we need to be a good neighbor. Um, today's text is found, and it was just read from Luke 10, verse 25 to 37. Do any of you have questions about God, about the Bible, about spiritual things? Of course you do. I have millions of them. Theologians study God's Word their entire lifetime, and at the end, they still have more questions that need to be answered. We all have questions. In the text that we read today, an expert of the law stood up and asked Jesus a question. Matthew 10, 25, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus and asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? A great question. Every one of us I hope at some time, ask that question. As we attend church and we understand that there is life after death, 
there's a heaven, there's a hell. I hope at some time we think, where am I going? What must I do to assure that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven? But the passage is clear. The Pharisee did not want an answer to that question. This was a test. This was a test for Jesus. What he was hoping was that Jesus either couldn't answer the question or would give a wrong answer to the question. Why is the Pharisee testing Jesus? Because the religious leaders have a big, big problem on their hands. The religious leaders are political leaders as well as religious or spiritual leaders in the Jewish community. They were wealthy. They were well-respected. They had powerful authority in their culture. At least they did. And this guy, Jesus, came along. And they've been watching as people kind of turn their attention to someone else other than themselves. In Matthew 5 through 7, we have recorded there what we call the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus teaches the Beatitudes. And it says there's a great crowd on the mountainside. And we find at the end of the Sermon on the Mount what the people think about Jesus and his teaching. In Matthew 7, 28 and 29, it said, And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. And the people started to follow Jesus. Because of his teaching, he teaches as one who has authority. And here's the part that stings. Not as the teachers of the law. Ouch. Boy, there was something about the authoritativeness of his teaching. The power of his teaching. Along with the miracles that he's performing everywhere he goes, that the religious leaders are saying, they're following him. They're no longer following us. The crowds keep getting bigger. And they're following Jesus. They have a problem. So the religious leaders, they begin to confer and to try to figure out how they can destroy the reputation, the position that Jesus is developing. And this test was one of those attempts at trying to um, change the tide and get the people back to them. And if not, then they were discussing how they could kill Jesus. But back to the Pharisee's question. What must I do to have eternal life? Now, it is interesting in the passage. Maybe it's because it is not a legitimate question. Jesus knows that. Jesus knows the man that just asked this question knows the answer. So he nicely turns this test around. He successfully turns it back to the lap of the Pharisee. And he says in verse 26, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And then the Pharisee answered correctly. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus rewarded his correct answer and said, yes, and do this, and you will live. 
Now, if the Pharisee would have left it there, he would have left this whole situation in a much better standing. But the text says the Pharisee asks Jesus another question. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked, and who is my neighbor? A good question. If you and I are supposed to love our neighbors, who are my neighbors? Okay, so a good question. And before we crucify the Pharisee here, because the passage just say he wanted to justify himself. Aren't we like that sometimes? With our spouse, with our family, at work, wherever we go, we feel the need to justify ourselves. We did something we know it's right, and we're going to justify that. We did something that we know other people don't think was the correct thing to do, and we need to justify what we said or what we did. It's human nature. We do it all the time. But the Pharisee wanted to justify himself. I believe the Pharisee really expected Jesus to say, come on, you're a Pharisee. You're an expert in the law. Every day, people walk into the temple, and you give them, you expand on them great knowledge. You are serving and loving your neighbor. Jesus didn't do that. Instead, Jesus tells them the story. And we just heard that story. A man was traveling down the road between Jericho and Jerusalem. And the robbers jumped him. They beat him. Beat him almost half to death and took everything he had. And then a priest went by. Saw the man lying by the road. Ooh, that's bad. Walks to the other side of the road and passes by. A Levite does the same thing. Stop there for a second. <laughs> What's the Pharisee thinking now? Uh, this test isn't going very good. Wish that Pharisee would have shut up and not asked that second question. This doesn't sound good at all. Our spiritual leaders, our teachers, those who are supposed to have compassion and care for us, they see somebody in need, and they're just walking by. Now, I know this is a story that Jesus is telling right now. But Jesus is making us look bad. Our religious leaders are walking by without help. Then Jesus continues. Next, a Samaritan walks by. Oh, no! No, not a Samaritan! The Jews, they hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans were outcasts. The Samaritans were Jews that had intermarried with Gentiles. Deuteronomy 7.3, God says, do not intermarry with Gentiles. Do not give your sons or your daughters to the Gentiles to marry, for they will turn your sons away from me to serve other gods, and then the Lord's anger will burn against them. So there's even biblical support about why they would not trust like the Samaritans. They disobeyed God, and they married Gentiles. But then Jesus go on to say the Samaritan, he cares. The Samaritan cares for the needs of this injured individual. He bounds up his wounds. He places the man on the donkey 
He takes him to an inn. He purchases. He pays for his room. He pays for his medical needs. And then when he has to leave, he says, and if there are other expenses, I'll pay for those when I come back through. And then Jesus asks the Pharisee a question that was going to be very difficult, very awkward for the Pharisee to answer. Which of these three men do you think was a neighbor of a neighbor? And the Pharisee answered, the man who had mercy on him. See what he didn't say? The Samaritan, the man who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Now, you've got to read into that. Not just what happened there, go and do likewise. Go and do as the Samaritan did in this story, not as your religious leaders did in this story. Again, Jesus is not into making friends here. He is into, interested in sharing the truth. I believe the story of the Good Samaritan commands you and I to be a good neighbor. And this story also gives us some good insight into what it will take for us to be a good neighbor. First, the first question we have, just like the Pharisee asked, we have to answer, who is my neighbor? If I'm being commanded to go out and love my neighbor, who's my neighbor? All right? Oftentimes, who's our neighbor as far as our definition. Well, the people that live to my right and my left across the street, maybe on my block, maybe in our neighborhood. Yeah, those are all our neighbors, but that's not how neighbor is defined in this story. A neighbor is anyone, anyone that I cross paths with. Because those of us who understand that God is sovereign, we don't cross paths with people just out of luck or out of fortune. It is sovereign. So anybody that you and I cross paths with, yes, even a stranger who I've met for the first time who just can't happen to come into this sphere of where I'm at and we're in the same location, that person becomes my neighbor. And if they are in need of help, help should be given. A certain seminary professor decided to test his students on whether they were good Samaritans or not. He gave an assignment to develop a message on the good Samaritan and then present it in class. The day that they were, they were assigned to come in and teach that class, the professor had set up an appointment with some man to feign a heart attack at the main entrance to the classroom building where all these students had to come through just before they were to walk into class. Every student approached the building, sidestepped the man, walked through the front doors, and went to class to teach their sermon on the Good Samaritan. They might have had a good sermon, but they failed the test. There are two points that I'd like to make this morning about loving my neighbor. All of us will have ample opportunity to love our neighbor. Matter of fact, for most of us, it's there every day. 
A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. To me, this is just a prime example. We see it every day. Life happens. Things happen. Sometimes it does not seem fair, it's not right, but life happens. And we have a situation. We all know it. If we all took a piece of paper and a pen and sat down and write, we could write out many incidents in our own lives, in the lives of family members, and people in our community, at work, at church. And yes, we've been in the area when a stranger was in need of help. We can write all those down. Life happens. People are in need of our help. All of us will have ample opportunity to be a good neighbor because life happens all around us, and life is not always good. Second thing, in each case, there will be a cost to being a good neighbor. In the story of the Good Samaritan, there was a financial cost. The man came upon this injured man. And the, excuse me, the Samaritan came upon this injured man, bound up his wounds, purchased him a room at the inn, paid for his medical expenses as far as he knew what they were. Money came out of pocket for him to be a good neighbor. Finances might not always be required for us as a good neighbor, but it could financially cost us to be a good neighbor. The second thing is a surety, time. It will cost you time. If this Samaritan was on a tight schedule, if he was in a hurry to get somewhere, something else changed his mind about what was important that day. Okay, I know I'm supposed to be down in Jericho, but this man needs my help. Something changed his time schedule. In order to be a good neighbor, his time schedule had to change. To be a good neighbor, that is one thing that's a given. It will take time. To come alongside and help and come to the aid of someone in need will take our time. Possibly finances, but most certainly time. There was a pastor in Florida he began his message one Sunday, and he asked the congregation if they remember that one year ago today, the Brown family walked forward and accepted the Lord. He looked around. There were smiles in the congregation and nods. Oh, yeah, we remember that. We remember that when they walked up the aisle and accepted the Lord. He continued, do you remember that there was another young man that came forward that morning? He looked out. And there were, no, no one could remember the other person that came forward. He went on to explain, the Browns, a good-looking couple, a successful middle-class family with a good reputation in the, in the neighborhood. They brought them in. They pampered them. They discipled them. They got, the, got them involved in ministry in the church. It was an exciting story. And then he said, the young man was not so fortunate he was in need of counseling and attention. Some counseling was provided, but he needed more attention and counseling, which was not given, and soon he left. 
The pastor said, I lost contact with this young man until yesterday. And the pastor pulled out a newspaper article and began to read that the young man had been arrested for murdering an old woman. And then the pastor said, and I became more like the priest than the Good Samaritan. There was somebody that the Lord brought into our church that needed our attention, our time, our support, whatever we could give him. And he walked out our door with those needs being unmet. I passed by on the other side. Application for this story about the Good Samaritan today. First and foremost, of course, is the personal application. Like those seminary students. Are you and I good Samaritans? Let me say for most of us at times, we're right there. Something happens, we will jump right on it. Every time, yeah, life does get busy sometimes. Something would have happened to me on the way over here, which would have delayed my getting here, and I wouldn't have been here to lead the service and have a service. You, Dave, you had an appointment here. What are you doing? So I believe, I understand, life gets busy. But are we... Good Samaritans, are we reaching out and helping those who are in need for those around us? But I also like to apply this challenge to us corporately as a church. There are many people in this church that just sense God is going to do some great and mighty things in this church in days to come. It's ripe where God bless this church and see some awesome things happen. So let me ask you this question. What would be the result if every time something happened in the Ridley Park area, which there were people that were hurting, people in need, that someone from Ridley Park paid a visit, said, hey, what can we do? How can we help? Let me pray for you personally, but how can we help? What can we do to help you through this awful situation? Think how God could use the genuine compassion and care to have provided to this community. And the opportunity, now first and foremost, it's our obedience to that command. But God will bless in many ways, as we obey Him. And I just think of the opportunity to share the reason why. Well, people say, we don't know you. Why did you come? Why in the world did you come and help? You know why? Because I was given a gift one day, and that gift was Jesus Christ. And I want to be a good neighbor. And the opportunity to share Jesus Christ with our neighborhood because we generally care and reach out to touch the lives of others. We are very good, and most churches are very good at ministering to those that come in our doors. But how 
Could we improve? Is it possible that getting into the community and making more of a presence, taking the love of Jesus Christ into the community to come alongside people who are hurting and who need a good Samaritan? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for your word. Father, for this story today about the Good Samaritan. It is through your word and through your Holy Spirit that we have understanding and that you guide and direct us in how you want us to live our lives. Father, we pray for Pastor Jim as he's been away from us for a couple weeks. We pray that this has been a good time for him charge his batteries, to recharge his heart and soul for this ministry. Thank you for the wonderful gift of bringing Jim and Devin to us one year ago. Father, there are a number of people in our church that are in need of your hand of comfort and of care. A loving, miracle-working God, we pray that you would touch the lives of those in need and heal and provide and care for them. Lord, we do pray for Grit. She has surgery this week. Just pray for the doctors and the nurses and the hospitals that they will just care for her from a medical standpoint, but God, your hand will be upon her. And Lord, we pray for Barb Bichelle as she recovers from surgery. I just pray that you will continue to touch her body and to bring recovery to her. And Lord, there's others that I, I'm sure I don't know about that could use your hand of healing and of ministry on them at this point in time. Father, in some ways, in some of these situations, it would be awesome for you to reach down and to heal someone miraculously so that those who are, in, who are observing would understand there's only one way that could have happened. And that happened through the hand of God, through the Spirit of God, the work of God. Father, please accept the prayer we pray for you this morning, the prayer that your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.